welcome back to the Finishing Touch Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Wilson. Joined, as always, by my colleague at the Swiss Theory, David Sidock. Uh, David, we've been talking for a little while here, about to talk about Brandon Miller out of Alabama. Uh, the freshman wing uh, has been one of the fastest risers on draft boards to start this year and has had an incredibly impactful and an efficient freshman season for Alabama. Uh, entered the year as like probably a top 15 recruit in the class. I think it was 12 overall in their class and has uh, gradually climbed up towards finishing around. I guess the consensus would probably be around three, maybe three or four currently. Uh, though not without a general disagreement as to his uh, overall quality as a prospect. Uh, David, as we begin, quite possibly our most controversial episode of Finishing Touch yet. Oh. How do you feel about Brandon Miller? Um, uh, similar to other episodes, I'm just gonna like, go ahead and touch on what stands out pretty much. First watches or whatever. Um, he's a really good shooter. Obviously, uh, 38.4% from three on seven and a half attempts per game. Um, 85.9% from the line on 4.6 attempts per game. He can shoot off movement, can shoot off the catch. He's shown the ability to shoot off the dribble as well. Um, he has a really quick, compact shooting motion. And yeah, he's just, he's just a really, really good shooter. So that's the first skill that kind of just like pops off the page immediately. And then you get into some of the other stuff. Um, he improved as a driver as the season went on uh, to start the year. He was very inefficient inside the arc, um, especially on non-dunk attempts. Uh, I don't remember what the number was, like 20-something percent. But that did improve as the year went on a little bit. Um, he can still struggle to finish through contact, especially. I think he can tend to go kind of weak. Um, for some of his finishes, and I think his core stability could use some work. But uh, he had one game against South Carolina where the driving game was, like, really on. He went up very strong on one of his drives in particular. You've probably seen it on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. He had a monster poster dunk against South Carolina, and he had a number of late-game drives that kind of – I think one of them tied the game and sent it to overtime. And then the other one um, was like the game winning drive and the patience and poise on his drives was noticeably better. Um, and that's just kind of been the main driver of his improvement there. And then I also really like his passing game. I think um, he's a pretty good driving kick guy and he's, shown the ability to make skip passes, which have been impressive. And yeah, I mean, just like quick strengths off the bat. Um, too long, don't read, I guess, would be really good um, movement shooter with um, other skills to bank on, which is something that's going to be really valuable in the league and why he's warranted top three, top five shouts. Yeah, I think that he is a... Uh certainly one of the easiest plug-and-play players in his class and just in terms of like any team in the nba is going to be able to use his skill set um like you said off the top he's probably he probably had the best shooting season in college basketball i don't want to say he's the best shooter in college basketball i don't think i totally believe that um but 
an incredibly good one nonetheless. Uh, the driving improvement throughout the year was the biggest sell for me and probably my biggest doubt to begin the year. Um, Alabama obviously plays a very Maury Ball-ish style of basketball, so it's a lot of threes and drives. And uh, so the, the kickouts were certainly available, and it was something that as he grew in his patience and his confidence and being able to get by his man and not get, not get flustered by point-of-attack defense and like, had, like, operating screens and kind of just taking his time and using his, the length of his strides because he really has long strides and can just kind of step past people. Um, as that improved throughout the year, the passing windows opened up and like those decisions became really easy and they became really quick in a way that was really encouraging towards like the idea of him being somebody who can, I don't want to say create advantages because that still makes me feel a little bit funky because there's a lot of questions there involved, but at, le- at the very least get downhill, downhill to the rim and make plays for others in a way that's going to uh, boost your offense. He is like an like, you know, offensive, like, starter kit in a lot of ways and like you can plug him into any any system and any role essentially and he's going to make your offense better just by being on the court with his spacing and his passing and his just overall skill level and so i I think that that sell is super easy um up towards three and two as some people were describing him in this class like saying he could compete with scoot i super don't see that um but i do think that the 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 offensive cell is, is really, really strong. And the development as a driver this year is like, that is like manna from heaven as a, as a uh, draft evaluator. Like that is what you want to see is somebody actually making improvements on the fly in season while they're playing competitive basketball. Like that is what star development is about is improving on things consistently and getting better and like solving problems. And uh, if there's one thing Brandon Miller did well this year, it was to like solve problems on the court. Um, as the year went on, like that, that improvement was the most encouraging thing to me for sure. But I think there are some real questions yeah. just in terms of like his overall usage as a star. And I guess that is probably where I want to go next. And like, how do you see him? I, the finishing questions were real to start the year. And I think that they, they lessened a little bit as the year went on, but like that general idea is still there. How do you feel about him as a, a finisher in general? And we can kind of get into some of the other star stuff. From there. Yeah. I kind of just, how I touched on a little bit, the finishing. Um, I think he still has a tendency to go up weak a lot of the times. Like mm-hmm. he'll kind of just, I don't know. He'll try to rely on his length and then like, just get his shit like swallowed. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I think I think core stability is going to be important there. And I do think he needs to probably add a little bit of weight um, in order to like help him go up stronger. Um, and I don't know if you watched the Houston game, but like he got pretty much just like straight up bullied inside the arch mm-hmm. <laughs> by all their bigs. But uh, I think. Yeah, I think the patience um, that I was talking about definitely helps um, helps him helps his driving game a little bit. But the finishing in general still needs work. But like you said, the fact that we've seen improvements in it already is very encouraging, and I don't see any reason why it won't continue to improve at least like a little bit, especially as he gets into like an NBA strength and conditioning program. No. I, I think I, I agree with that generally. I think that the 
going up with strength is like the biggest problem that I have. And he's a super, he's not a super explosive, like vertical athlete, especially within traffic of, of the paint. He isn't like exploding through bodies to get to the rim. There's much more trying to like work around it. And like he uses the like extension finishes to kind of like loop around someone's back and try to lay it behind them. And he's comfortable doing that. But like you said, like that, he did get blocked like a, a decent amount, especially for somebody who is as, as tall as he is and um, as uh, I guess highly regarded as he is as like an NBA caliber uh, scorer um, was certainly, that was sort of something that caught my eye as the year went on. Um, but again, like that growth was, was super, super impressive. But I do think he runs into some of the same issues that we talked about with Gigi on the previous episode was that he will have these really long strides, but can kind of struggle to get out of those lunges to be able to get up and actually get a good look at the rim. Um, I think some of that is going to come with strength growth over time, but like it's a, that's a much easier sell for me with Gigi and someone in his frame versus Brandon Miller. And that like, yeah, I'm not, uh, I am not a licensed uh, physical therapist or trainer, but uh, I, I do very much believe in the difference in body types and uh, to think that uh, Brandon Miller and Gigi have like a, a similar uh, growth trajectory physically is, I, I think that is certainly not the case. Like Brandon Miller is, is probably worth noting an older freshman for his class. He's going to be 20 and a half on draft night. Um, he's a sophomore age player, essentially. Uh, not to say that all sophomores who came into the league skinny are always skinny, but like you look at Tyrese Halliburton and uh, Devin Vassell, who are both younger sophomores, into the league and have found some like star trajectory on their own. It's not because of growth in their frame. It's not really because of their finishing craft around the basket, like dramatically improving because of some like physical development. It's because they've been incredible shooters and been able to find ways to maximize their skill set within their existing system in a way that like has skyrocketed their value. But um, with Tyrese, it's a little bit different because he's like, he's a point guard. He's, he's running offense and passing, but um I think mean, the point itself still remains. He's not some type of like physical overwhelming presence. And he's not somebody who's like beating you by getting to the rim all the time. And that like, he, I don't, he, in his sophomore year at Iowa State, he didn't have the same, uh, I guess like steep upward trajectory of Brandon Miller's like driving game. And obviously he doesn't have his frame, but um, I don't know. I think that the, the sell for Brandon being a, like a, a star level scorer is going to revolve around him being like an off the dribble shooter. And somebody who really can just paint you from the outside versus someone who's going to be like a, a meaningful value add as a finisher around the rim. Just because I think it's going to be a really hard ask. And that maybe he's going to be able to get there a little bit more than he was able to in the beginning of the year. And there is some like avenue for usage that way. But to see him being somebody that like gets by his man and is headed towards the rim and your whole defense like has like a heart attack because you got to go stop this guy from getting to the, getting to the cup. Like I just, that's not really a, not really how I see his usage. And I think that a lot of the times the teams are just going to be content to let him, you know, like finish through like traffic or his man or just a general contest versus bringing, like changing a defensive principle to stop you from getting through. I don't ever see that with Brandon. Um, so obviously the added versatility in terms of his overall scoring package is nice. Um, but I do kind of wonder like, what is the, uh, what is the end result of that? And that kind of leads into my next question. Uh, which is like, how did you see him as a shooter off the bounce? Like, obviously, again, Alabama's offense was not oriented towards mid-range shot making and has not been that way for a while. But uh, just as a general shooter off the bounce and as like a future scoring mid-range, how do you view Brandon Miller in his season this year? 
Yeah, I definitely share the same sort of shot creation concerns as you, especially in the mid-range. Um, from three, he was able to create off the bounce a little bit, um, but pretty much everything was like, was like just step backs, basically. I don't know how else to word it, like negative space creation, I guess you'd say. But um, yeah, his release point is pretty low and it makes it really hard for him to get shots, shots up off the dribble. Um, his like pull up game or like rise and fire game, I guess you could put it, is basically non-existent. Um, and then something that like you kind of notice from other shot makers and shooters is that they can kind of interchange between like different shot motions. So like they can go from a one motion to one and a half motion or to a two motion, and they can kind of change their release points as well. Um, just like from different areas of the floor, like they'll shoot like, I don't know, like one and a half motion from three and then two motion from the mid range, or like one motion from three, one and a half motion from the mid range. And I feel like that's something that he needs to learn. And I don't know if that is something that you can kind of learn at this level. And, but yeah, that's like, like one thing that we've noticed is that he's I, at least something that I noticed that he has gotten a lot of jumpers blocked, um, especially for mid range. And I think that's just due to that inability to um, kind of shoot over contests, I guess you would say. I don't know how to explain it. A lot of times people say like, what, like touch is like, um, even when your shot motion isn't like necessarily like consistent, you're still able to like get the ball in or kind of like direct the ball into the basket, like despite like adverse situations. And while I do think Brandon Miller has really good touch, I, I don't think he necessarily has great touch whenever he's like, heavily guarded or working out of those types of adverse situations. And I think that's definitely a limiting factor, but it's hopefully something that he can work on. Yeah, I think that kind of sums up my general concerns pretty well. I think that uh, something we talked about again with Gigi on the previous episode was that like, I, I loved his transition from his handle into a shot and in even in like non-perfect scenarios like he's I mean, has these enormous events he can just kind of grab the ball and bring it into his shooting motion from wherever the ball is and i don't think that like brandon Miller did not have that same kind of like ease of motion from the handle and the shot like out of like the workout rehearsal moves like the step backs the things he's really comfortable with like you don't really see that but in terms of like a like his handle got a little loose or he got bumped and it's kind of like off his path now getting from that like awkward space into a mid-range jumper wasn't something that I saw him being particularly comfortable with. And um, I think a lot of that has to do with his frame, obviously, and that he's able to get bumped off his spots and is able to maintain his balance through contact as well as you would hope. But at, like you said, again, I think some of that also has to do with his release point and that like one, the transition isn't super smooth getting into it, but then two, like it, he isn't able to shoot over people the same way that someone like Gigi is able to, where their release is super high and it's just really hard to contest regardless of how close you are. Like the Brandon Miller shot is blockable despite his height and the relative height he gets on his on his jumps in his jumper. Um and so that is like at least a little bit concerning. And something we had talked about was the idea of like rim pressure being enormously important, but like the importance of having a failsafe as a mid-range option, being able to get really high or really difficult shots off and like 
in it being still a quality look for your offense once you get cut off or once there is proper help in place for you at the rim. Um, I know Blau Brandon is a really great shooter, and I do think that he is going to be an awesome shooter from distance. I, I do worry about that and the ability to get up shots at volume um, in like a heavily contested space in the mid-range. And like I know in high school, he was viewed as like a mid-range scorer, and that was like his thing was he was like a mid-range bucket getter. Um, also in high school, he's not playing against D1 caliber athletes, and, and he's also not playing against NBA caliber athletes. And to score as a mid-range scorer over high schoolers that are your age or actually younger than you and smaller than you is, is, is significantly easier. And like, you're not going to have guys that are locking you up in the mid-range all the time in high school. It doesn't really super exist. Like perimeter defense is super hard and the best perimeter defenders are playing in the NBA. Um, so I don't know, that that is a, certainly a big question for me. It's like, well, I do understand the pedigree as a mid-range scorer and it's easy to dismiss the idea like, oh, Alabama runs this more ball style offense. Brandon Miller is this more ball style of player within that offense, but he has this mid-range bag that he used in middle school all the time. Uh, or in high school, I don't mean to say it was that long ago as in middle school, it would be that dismissive. Um, so I, I, I understand that logic, but I don't really see the through lines towards the NBA of how that previous experience in high school is going to like drastically affect his output in the league without some amount of tweaks to his shot and without like significant improvement in his handle and being able to get into a shot in the mid-range. Um, like you said, his shot off the bounce from three was like pretty solid. And I think, yeah, like actually was, um, I think a lot of the shots that were like generally considered movement threes, like were more of like him like curling around a screen and like popping and firing immediately out of that. And like, I almost kind of do that as like an off the dribble shot, just kind of like catch it, take one dribble, maybe not take a dribble and just come immediately off of it. Like those moments are great. And he's really comfortable getting into it. And I think that's really translatable to, coming around screens and shooting around, which he did as well, obviously. But I think it's a similar motion. And the reason that he's able to punish people for going unders on a high ball screen or uh, like pop and fire like that around a DHO from like deep beyond three is because he's able to scoot further back beyond the three-point line and have a larger amount of space between him and the man setting the screen, much less his actual defender. So like that added space allows him to get a shot off a lot easier. And like when he's able to get it off, he drill shots like that's what he does um but there is that caveat like he has to create space in like an untraditional way not necessarily not to say untraditional but not as like a scar star like primary option score would but as like an off-ball shooter would try to um and so that i guess is kind of like my general point and uh dennis dennis i think is gathering intel is his at on twitter has been putting together this project of tracking the different like shooting splits and how people shoot in different scenarios on the court. And um, my favorite thing that he has started tracking is this, that the combination of uh, dribble jumpers and guarded catch and shoots is kind of like the two most difficult shots that are going to um, be like, I would kind of look forward in terms of my general, like, like aesthetic projection of like watching somebody on a court, like how are you shoot, shooting off the dribble and how do you shoot when someone's in your face? I mean, that's how good of a shooter you are. And, um, like Brad Miller, I think it covers from like 31% there, which is not like awful, but it's certainly not like, oh, this guy's like an elite, elite shooter, like off the dribble score or a contested score. And I, I, I didn't see that necessarily on tape either. So that is, I guess, another uh, question mark in my evaluation of Brad Miller is like, what is the scalability of that offense beyond what he currently is in like, what he currently is, how is that, like, how does that translate to an NBA court? Um, 
question remains for me for sure. Yeah, I think at the very least, I'd like to see him kind of refine his footwork. Um, coming off like ball screens as a ball handler into the mid-range, because I don't think, or I'm not sure I can remember a scenario where he just like came off a ball screen against a big that was in drop and then just like pulled up for a mid-range shot. Like, punishing yeah, and I think that his, his, and you mentioned his footwork, I think his steps into those shots when he does try to take something like that is really big steps and like his legs are almost swinging into it and it doesn't feel as comfortable as I'd want it to be for somebody that is like going to be a mid-range scorer. And then yeah, Gigi does kind of things that make weird, but that make it look weird. But when he gets into his mid-range jumper, it looks like every star scorer you've ever seen get into the mid-range jumper that's like six foot eight. And with Brandler, I said it doesn't ever strike me as that. And I don't know if that's like a lack of strength thing, or at least a core strength, or if it's a footwork or whatever it is. Um, wow, there's something there that at least gives me some question. And um, I've seen the high school tape. I've, I've seen his high school games. I've seen his high school mixtapes and his like highlight reels. Like, I get it that he made mid-range jumpers, but I just, like, I don't know. Am I crazy to not buy that? Like, I don't know. For that to be as important as an evaluation point for Brandon Miller's, like, scoring package as a star, um, it's a pretty huge question and one that I don't think has any real clear answers. Yeah. I just feel like the shooting gravity that he has in general will just make things – okay, first of all, like – like you said, he's he's probably the most plug and play guy in the whole draft. And then just um just based off of his shooting gravity, like we know he's gonna be he's gonna be hitting those down, knocking those down at a high level. It kind of opens up the rest of his game, I feel like. Like for me, I'd wanna see teams or like a team that drafts Brendan, but I'd wanna see them or see them like take advantage of the movement shooting. And then just like have him run second side, like pick and rolls. And I feel like the room for growth and just like the trajectory that he's already on, it feels like that the shot creation, just like any improvement that he can make offensively is within reach, just based off of what we've seen from him this year. I think that that is totally true. I think that there's like a, obviously a reality where he like raises his set point and that kind of eliminates all of the ideas of like or all like the questions regarding his general like shot off the bounce. Because at that point, then everything else is just like refinement and getting to where you can be. And he's already a great shooter and already a great complimentary scorer. Like that is like a, a obviously really easy projection. Um, but I agree. I think his overall shooting gravity is going to be huge because like he's going to be out at thirty. He could be standing at thirty-four feet and you would feel obligated to guard him. Because he already has enormous range from three, like off of a variety of different kind of, <clears throat> different kind of shots. But I do um, want to, I guess, question as well. Not again, like I have Brandon Miller in my top seven. I think I'm at six now on my board. So I, I really like Brandon Miller as a prospect. But um, the labeled movement shooter, I do wonder a little bit how. Um, the level of versatility that movement shooting provides, I guess, if that makes sense. And then, like, he has a lot of these instances of coming off screens and being able to hit, like, kind of, like, filling the corners and, like, a general light movement. But he didn't have a ton of stuff that was, like, like leaning off balance or these, like, non-ideal setups. And it seems like every time that he's, like, hitting these shots, he's going straight up and down. And it's, like, a very, 
a straightforward manner, not like ideal circumstances, but at least closer to that versus somebody that we watch Jet and for like half the time he's like falling over sideways, shooting threes, and like doing this like crazy stuff, running on heavy movement. Um, did you do you feel the same way on that? And do you have any questions about like the overall uh, like off ball shot making uh, profile? I don't know. I mean, like for me, you mentioned like the not falling over type of stuff. I feel like one thing I kind of liked about Bernie Miller is that like his shot preparation before catching the ball was generally always very good. So like mm -hmm. maybe he wasn't hitting these crazy off balance shots all the time, but that could also just be because he's always on balance. You know what I mean? Like, no, that makes I feel sense. like, I feel like, Based off of what I saw, I feel like he'll be a very good movement shooter. I'd be willing to bet on that. Like in transition, he'd like get out quick. He'd get to his spot, and he's already prepared for the shot. Transition. Yeah. So I don't know. I have optimism. I have a lot of optimism for the movement shooting in general. Yeah, I think, uh, that, I, think I think generally it's a good seller. His like you said, his shot about the catch is is really good. Um, I guess I think of it more as a question of like, how does he shooting like the like a, the shot making the star shot maker repertoire of like these off balance shots yeah. in ideal circumstances changing your release point like you said, um, that's the stuff that Brandon I get like the most questions on and it's probably like the thing I'm like least confident in like uh, projecting forward from this evaluation. It's also something that is like really nuanced and can change over like one summer of like really awesome training like getting with the right uh like workout partner the, the right uh environment um so i don't know i think that there's certainly like a lot of reason for optimism uh but there are at least a lot of question marks and convenient places for people that uh, would maybe be uh, less enthused by some of the results that's what i would say I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh do you want to get into the defensive stuff a little bit oh yeah i think it's gonna be for a little while on the offense um yeah i think the defense is generally like solid i think be it gg or Leonard miller or Brandon miller the, the uh their defense is like i don't think it's gonna like drastically hurt you i think like with Leonard miller Brandon miller's rebounding is really good especially with defensive rebounding and just um the help side rim protection was pretty solid uh i didn't see some like enormously high offensive upside but i also don't see like some like, enormously low defensive upside either so um, I, I think he's fine. How did you think of him defensively? Yeah, I think he's going to be just like average, I'd say. Um, I do want to see him improve screen navigation a lot. I feel like he got mm -hmm. taken out by pretty much like every single screen <laughs> that I saw yeah. him um, get hit by. But uh, in general, he rotates pretty well and then when he does get taken out by a screen he tries to fight back and reconnect so that's always a good thing um but yeah he's not really a good chaser by any means the isolation defense isn't too bad it's pretty pretty solid uh against south carolina he guarded gg pretty well a couple times um even though gg was like cooking that game like straight yeah. buckets but um uh, uh <laughs> and then finally i think he's a uh, a pretty good defensive playmaker in transition like he had a number of impressive chase down blocks so that's kind of just what i noticed um from him defensively yeah i was gonna say he, he's definitely gonna have like the chase down artist 
badge on 2K. Yeah. He's, like, he's a rookie sophomore year. Like, he, that is a really easy uh, like, translation point to the NBA floor. Was, oh, yeah, he's good. He's, he will get blocked like this and will be a good transition defender in that respect. Um, like you say, I don't think the down ball stuff is bad at all. Um, I think that it's, it's actually pretty solid. The screen half stuff is, is definitely tough. I think it's going to be bad forever. Like, I don't see that he gets a good time. Yeah. Um, his frame and general yeah. ability, it's not something you want to do. I think that is uh, at least a, a question worth acknowledging. I do think he's a wing. I don't really think that he's a four. I, I think why he's going to have to go three. Why did they have him guarding Jordan Hawkins? I don't understand. Yeah, that was see, that was awful. That was really bad. That was so game. so bad. <laughs> there was a game in the bubble. Um, the Spurs played against the I want to say it was the Pelicans, but it was, I don't know, it was whatever team JJ Redick was on. And the Spurs had Keldon Johnson guarding JJ Redick on the perimeter for the, the entirety of the game. And I thought I was going crazy. It's like this is awful. Like, there's no value you can possibly have that. And that's how I felt about him guarding Jordan Hopkins. I would never do that. Um, don't ever that want to see horrible. that again. It's really <laughs> bad. Um, but yeah, I think that like he is going to be a wing, and so I, I think he's going to be able to like hold up relatively well against like these like, wing three D creators like really Paul George or Jason Tatum. I don't think he's going to get bullied or be someone's going to just shove under the rim. But I do question his ability to get through screens and. Is um, yeah, it's really what it is. Really gets get through screens and it's like foot speed and like uh, changing directions in certain times. Um, but I don't think it's going to be something you have to really drastically scheme your offense around unless there's just nowhere else to put him. Uh, I'd say Boston would be a tough matchup. Um, I would say, especially if you're going to be running out. Like if they were around, uh, Derek White, Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Al Horford. Like, where do you put Aaron Miller on that? I think that all of those are losses for Aaron Miller. Like, you probably just put him on Derek White and hope it goes okay. Um, and I wouldn't want him on. I wouldn't want him on Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. I think that would be uh, exploitable in those circumstances. So I guess that's kind of where I view him defensively. But with both Gigi and Leonard, I think it's kind of the same circumstance. If we had put either of those guys on a star score, uh, they would struggle. But I, I do. Think that there's less upward mobility for Brandon Miller defensively than this other team. Yeah. Uh, do you want to get into team fits a little bit? Ooh, yeah, we can definitely make some team fits. Uh, Indiana is the one that I like the most. I think. I mean, not yeah. the most, but I really, really like Indiana. Just in the idea that, like, they already have a ton of different guys who do things really, really well. And if there is an environment, uh, a team led by Tyrese Albert and like a coach in I recall that I would that I would trust to maximize scores that are maybe uniquely limited in certain ways. Um, yeah, that's the environment. And I, I would love that. He would be awesome in Matherin. Um, maybe not like the kind of defensive tandem I would want in Halliburton, Matherin, and, and Miller. But uh, I would really love his his chances of really maximizing his offensive skill set and really using his shooting uh, to like, leverage other parts of his game in a really positive way. There. That'd be one of my favorite fits for sure. Yeah, Indiana's a fun one. I kind of liked Portland maybe, um, just with like Dame's gravity and like the things that you could do there. And then Detroit, if they fall, could be interesting too. Yeah, I, I would like it in Detroit. I would just be bummed that Detroit fell that far. <laughs> uh, like I just like I, don't know, I have like an affinity for the. I mean, I feel like they keep. They're going to be really good either way, I feel like. like They're in Ivy, K, this, that's a pretty solid core. It's a really though. solid core. And, yeah, they've used way too many of their assets to, like, you know, 
um, bringing in other players in uh, Jalen Duren's position, but that's fine. Um, I would like the uh, the fit in. Oh man, this is kind of this is kind of where it gets a little bit slim in the pickings. I mean, I think that if Toronto were to make a jump, it would be nice, but they're so far in the lottery that there would have to be a jump into the top three or four, and then at that point, I'd be kind of bummed they didn't take him. Uh, OKC would be a fun one because I think regardless of the other fits, like that, if they were to be at three or four, and it's like they're trying to sell him and, and uh, Brandon Miller, I think it's a pretty easy choice for Brandon Miller in terms of how that fits, and I would like that. Uh, they could really use the shooting, so OKC is probably the other one. But again, the defensive infrastructure is not really what I'd want it to be. Um, I'm not sure that anywhere in the, his draft range has the kind of defensive infrastructure I'd want. But uh, that's just guess the nature of bad teams. So, yeah, I don't want to see him in Washington. Yeah, no, I don't want to see him in Washington. That'd be bad. I don't really want to see him in um, Charlotte. But uh, I guess that's probably pretty high likely. <laughs> who who do you want that. to see in Charlotte? Yeah, I don't really want to see him in Charlotte. <laughs> Sorry, MJ. Um, yeah, I don't see. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. Actually, I don't even think I have a point. I just don't think the Hornets are very good. Not that they made yeah. good. <laughs> I mean, I think that like, like, like Steve Clifford's not a bad coach, and I think that there's like a lot of like, value being had there. But I think there's just too many things he could be out. Defensively, that could be interesting, I guess, if you were looking for defensive infrastructure. Like Charlotte has been pretty good defensively over the past like month and a half, and Steve. Yeah, Clifford's and then the, pretty good yeah, yeah. coach is that they have built out well. I see. Maybe Charlotte is my place for Brandon Miller. Because um, he is like oh, well-rounded enough. Maybe he is because they, they think he yeah. he's good enough offensively that like you can pass anywhere and like you're not going to screw it up. Like you can't screw this up. It's super straightforward unless you just give him the ball hundred times a game and you have a mellow on your team. You're not going to do that. So yeah. that would actually be a pretty good fit. And you're right. Yeah, I, I, I forgot that I, I forgotten how good of a coach Steve Clifford is at least in terms of like def- instilling defensive principles. Um, you would just yeah. have to hope that he actually plays him. Uh, though I don't think that James Booknight and Brandon Miller are comparable prospects. Uh, so that doesn't concern me as much. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think that there's a, there's a really easy projection for Brandon Miller offensively, but I do wonder uh, how likely those, like, upper band outcomes of, like, star potential offensively, like, hit. Because I think that... If you were to just log on Twitter and see, you'd think that it's like really likely that Brandon Miller becomes like a multi-time All-Star and like twenty-five point per game scorer. And um, while I do think there is like real upside, I'm not sure that's really as likely as uh, it seems in some ways. Yeah, but I didn't do I think that like... Miller too. Just no, finish. Go ahead. I've talked too much. Go. I feel like he's a pretty solid block to hit. 20 at least once in his career. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I think that's why he's being talked about as like a top five pick. It's like, well, I, it's it's hard not to see this working out at least pretty well, you know, because he's just really good. But I do think that he like, kind of fits the bill of like the kinds of prospects that tend to be generally overrated by like, the public are going to be like these like toolsy like forwards you can see as like the next like, you know, like primary score or whatever is these shot makers and then like dudes who really really shoot it with a low release point are almost always going to be overvalued because their numbers look incredible and they have these awesome shots but like, it, it that 
window for getting your shot off is a lot smaller and elite than it is in college. And people that are old for their class get overrated all the time because people don't really understand the difference of like a 20-year-old freshman and a 19-year-old freshman and an 18-year-old freshman, which is why I think that the, the GG, Leonard Miller, Brandon Miller debate is a really interesting one. Because uh, if GG were to spend two years in college, um, what does junior year GG look like? And he's really freaking good. And he's probably one of the best players in the country. And he would be the exact same age that Brandon Miller is now. So, um, again, I like Brandon Miller. I think that the certainty that he brings in value is really good and is certainly worthy of a top of the lottery selection. But if you are drafting at the top of the lottery, maybe certainty is not the thing that you're looking for at the top billing for your pick. And that is my sell on maybe Brandon Miller not being a top four kind of lock that he has not yet shown as him. I agree with the age thing generally. My only thing is that like Miller's already shown that like or like his development trajectory has been like as sharp as you would expect like one of the 19-year-olds or 18-year-olds to be. So I'm not sure like how much of an impact his age is as far as like career path or development trajectory goes. And that's also why I feel like huh I guess the question would be if he were to be a freshman last year instead of a senior in high school, do you think that he would have be he would be viewed in the same echelon as a prospect now? So do you think that it is a lot easier to solve problems and learn as a more mature and older person than it would be as a younger one? I think that's like the overall idea. I agree. I think that the development from someone as GG over the course of two years to being Brandon Miller is linear because I don't think that's really as certain as people say that it is. Like, oh, he's two years younger. In two years, of course, his guys can be better. Like, Brandon Miller is one of the best shooters in the country. He's going to be one of the best shooters in the NBA when he goes to leave. Like, that is a really hard buy. Hard, uh, what's what I'm thinking of? It's a hard bar to, like, reach. But if the general idea is that at the top of the draft, you're, you know, buying star power. Um, the things that come with age, which is like skill refinement and like those like large leaps of like uh, of growth that kind of like send you from somebody who is this like prospect that's like a good role player to somebody who's like a star now, be a Donovan Mitchell or Kawhi Leonard or whatever. Like the thing that made them that jump was like a drastic increase in their skill level and development. In that end. I don't see that happening with Brandon Miller. He's an incredibly skilled prospect. And yeah, there is some. Uh, untapped potential, like, oh, really skilled guys become even more skilled. A lot of stuff, Curry. But uh, I just think there's a little bit less developmental meat on the bone for Brandon Miller than I would uh, want, because I think the things he struggles with are harder to fix, and the things he's already really good at are the things that you would hope would improve the time uh, for his counterparts. But again, I think that he's the best of all these guys. In comparison to Alcar Thompson or like Eamon Thompson, I prefer them, but that doesn't mean I don't love them anymore. Yeah, it's completely fair. Um, I think that's going to do it for us on this episode. I hope you guys um, enjoyed this chapter, I guess we'll call it, of Gigi Jackson, Leonard Miller, and Brandon Miller. Um, Follow the Twitter pod account. Wait, you got to rank them. You got to rank them. Hey, hey. I'm going to make you rank them. Come on. (laughs) You didn't make me rank the Duke guys. I know because that, that ranking is easy. I didn't want you to say to read that first. Okay, Brandon Miller. And then what did I say? I said I like lean, I'm leaning Leonard Miller right now. And then GG. Mm-hmm. 
But I like Leonard Miller and GG are probably like same tier, like very close. Yeah, I think it's probably about where I'm at. Um, if you were to combine Leonard Miller and Gigi Miller and, and, and Gigi Miller, Gigi. Leonard Miller and Gigi Jackson into one prospect, Gigi Miller, that would be an awesome prospect because uh, I think that, that they're be. just the kind of polar opposites of the same uh, general cell. Yeah, yeah, very much kind of like in the middle. So uh, it's really fun. It's really exciting uh, group of guys. Gigi Jackson. Gigi Jackson with Leonard Miller touch would be interesting. That's what I'm saying. Like that, like that is the one thing that's missing. And like with one another, one thing is that's missing is like general refinement of like dribble moves, like the stuff that like yeah. you know those like they, they teach you in AAU. Like that is uh, <laughs> that is that would be great. So I don't know. Um, really interesting. I think that these guys are going to be the three of the players that really define this class in a major way, and uh, their growth over the next couple of years is going to be something I track really closely because it is uh, whether you like it or not, it's going to. Like, affect how we should view these types of prospects because they uh they certainly cover a wide swath of uh archetypes within the same general build so yeah. very cool a fun group yeah. all right well follow the pod account finish touch pod follow us at david sidock a at prospecting nba um leave a rating or give us some feedback if you can um We'd love to hear from all of you guys listening. Um, Until next time, this is Finishing Touch, signing out. Peace.